Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City. It's the Kansas City Royals 2, the Cleveland Guardians 1. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field. The thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And, uh, well, I mean, how am I going to fill a podcast with this game? I mean, what a... What a kind of nothing game from both teams, wasn't it? I mean, was there was there anything really exciting into the bottom of the ninth inning? For eight and a half innings, they played some boring, boring baseball. I mean, they really grinded out this one nothing lead for eight and a half innings until finally, I mean, the Royals finally make some noise with like 10 fans left in attendance. They finally do it in the ninth inning and uh, finally get on the board and beat the Guardians 2-1. to one. I mean, we're going to talk about it, but I mean, I really feel like I'm stretching in this episode. The, the Guardians offered us nothing in this game to really get excited about. Cody Morris was much better. Was much better. The bullpen did their job through six, five guys, basically. I mean, if you want to count Cody Morris as a, you want to count it as a full bullpen get day, uh, six guys did their job until Classe, the seventh guy, just was not there. Uh, just absolutely was not there. And I don't know if it just tired at the end of the season. Um, you know, Underwood said something about that. I don't know if it was this game or another game at the right at the start of a game. He started like making excuses about, you know, you get to this point in the season and guys are tired and, uh, you know, it's a long season and, uh, yeah, you can understand if they'd be tired at this point. And I'm like, no, Underwood, no, that's, that's literally the job. That's literally the job is to go out and finish and get to the playoffs and not be tired. That's literally their job. That'd be like saying in the fourth quarter of a football game or a basketball game. You're like, well, you know, they've been running up and down the court a long time. You can understand how their legs are tired. No. That's why you put in all the training. That's what all the weightlifting and the conditioning is about. So you're not tired at this point of the season. You can't have a first-place team that's tired at the end of the season. You've got to keep fighting. So I, I don't think it was that last night. I just hate when Underwood makes excuses like that. I hate when he, God, when he talks like that. Like he, he knows. Like he, he's like he's been through the grind. Like he knows. I hate when he does that. Uh, so yeah. So I don't think it was that last night. I just think Granky just has their number. Granky just the older he gets, the wiser he gets. He just has the Guardians' number. Granky is uh, in three starts now against Cleveland, and I'm sure we'll see him again at the end of the season. He's 1-0 in three starts with a 1.08 ERA and a 1.02 whip. It's pretty good. Only three walks, eight strikeouts, only two runs surrendered in 16 and two-thirds innings. Only two runs given up. I think Granky just has the Guardians number, and he did it again Last night, it's not super impressive. Six innings pitched, six hits. He spreads them out. One earned run on a bloop single by Owen Miller. 
a walk, and two strikeouts. On 85 pitches, he's hard hit only four times. They can only barrel him up. They can only square him up four times. And most of them don't even, I mean, Jose Ramirez has two of them, and he doesn't even have a hit to show for it. So, yeah, Granky just does his Granky magic, his old man magic, and just gets through this game. So let's talk about the top storylines of this game. It's got to be Classe falling apart in the ninth inning. I mean, he just is struggling and struggling and struggling in this one. And uh, the more he fights, the worse it gets. So it starts with Kyle Isabel. Uh, two cutters at the top of the zone. Okay, that's not working. Misses for ball one and ball two. Tries to come back at the knees. Does get one at the knees that's fouled off. But then throws two more down. The fifth one being in the dirt. And ends up walking him on five pitches. The only strikes that Classe gets in this uh, in this game are via foul balls. He does not have one whiff or one called strike. And that is very, very not Emmanuel Classe. Okay, so he's got the lefty Drew Waters up. Actually faces a bunch of lefties in this one. Isbell, Drew Waters is next. Throw Tries to throw him a cutter at the knees and can't find the strike zone. Misses below the strike zone with the first two. The next one is inside, at the knees again, but inside. And then the fourth one misses inside and off the plate and down below the knees. So four straight cutters, tries to hit that lower inside quadrant. Can't do it with any of the four cutters he throws through waters. All right, now you have walked two. Nicky Lopez gets up, and he is just looking to bunt, man. He is just looking to bunt. He finally gets one after fouling one off. You think he misses with two pitches. Uh, it's weird on StatCast. Uh, I mean, they have this fastball in the strike zone, but Nicky Lopez is a much shorter bat- batter than the StatCast gives you just this generic batter and generic strike zone. So it was it was right at the top of the zone, but it's called the ball. Uh, he fouls one off. Honestly, you think maybe that's the way Klaus can get back in this at-bat here. And uh, the next one is an inside cutter that he gets down for a bunt. He bunts it to third base. Jose Ramirez with a, I don't even want to call it a heads-up play, a gutsy play, throws the, throws the second and uh, gets Drew Waters at second. A speedy guy in Drew Waters. Isabel and Drew Waters can, and Nicky Lopez can all run really well. The Royals are a fast team. And uh, he's able to get them by a hair at second base. Boy, if he doesn't get them there, that's... Some real trouble for the Guardians. So it's a gutsy play from Ramirez, but he makes it work. So now you got runners at the corner. You have a double play set up, and you've got the ground ball pitcher in Emmanuel Classe. So you still feel like you can get out of this game. But at this point, after facing you know three lefties in a row, MJ Melendez comes up the, the uh, top of the order now for the uh, Royals. And uh, yeah, the leadoff hitter for the Royals. And he's like, all right, I'm done with the cutter. I'm going slider. Misses inside with one slider. Throws him a cutter on the plate that he fouls off. Throws him another slider up that he fouls off. You're thinking, all right, he's finally ahead in a count. Throws him another slider. This one sits middle of the plate at the thighs. And it's just not going to get the job done. Uh, He wants this thing. Finally wants one below the knees. And can't put one below the knees. I don't think he wants to leave the slider up here. Uh, So Melendez is able. He gets the ground ball, but he shoots it through into center field. He's able to square it up a little better than that uh, and shoot it back up the middle. 
Uh, Isbell comes in to score. Lopez is able to go first and third. You got runners on the corner still, and now it's a tie ball game, but still a ground ball gets him out of this thing. And Salvador Perez does the one thing we don't expect off Emmanuel Classe. He lifts a ball. Throws him a cutter that he fouls off on the outside edge. They've been just pitching Salvador Perez away all series. All series keeping it away from Perez. And he's been making a pay, frankly. He's actually been handling those outside pitches. And he gets a slider here on the second pitch. Uh, It's a slider, but it stays up and away. And he's able to hit a sacrifice fly out into center field. Straw's throw was kind of online, but Lopez is just too fast. Uh, it, 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 the ball seemed to slow down on the hop uh, from Straw. Uh, he doesn't really get a great bounce on his throw. And uh, it's a little bit to uh, the right of the catcher. And Lopez is just too fast. No, and no matter what, even if Straw puts this thing on the money, I think Lopez probably tags and scores anyways. And they walk it off on the Guardians. On a night when, again, Classe does not get one whiff or one called strike. The velocity was there. He was actually throwing the slider harder than he usually throws it. But he just could not locate that cutter. So, yeah. Classe blows his first save. I think Mandy Bell said since May. It's his third blown save on the season. I mean, you don't expect it, but the Guardians did nothing to give themselves a real shot in this one. Uh... You know, putting up one run against the Royals, you got to do a little better than that offensively. So, uh, Classe blows the save. That's definitely the top storyline of the game. The other storyline of this game is Cody Morris getting his second start was much better. Much better. Remember, he only last two innings last time. He threw 50-some pitches, but he was, he was having trouble throwing strikes. Uh, he was leaving his fastball high up in the zone. I tweeted out the pitch charts from StatCast to show the comparison. And you could see, if you find that tweet, you could see that in his first start, that fastball was just stuck at the top of the zone. It was getting hit up there. Now he was brought the fastball down. He brought it back down into the zone. The cutter, he was locating all right in the strike zone. Did throw a bunch of cutters across the strike zone and miss away with a bunch of cutters, but was keeping things back down. Uh, back down below the letters for the most part. Um, so, Cody Morris does much better in this one. Uh, solid four innings. Gives up three hits, but no runs. Gets into a little trouble in that first inning, but he's able to get out of it. Uh, it helps that Luke Maley is able to gun out Bobby Witt Jr. trying to steal second after a one-out walk. So then the two singles from Salvador Perez and Nick Prado don't hurt him, right? If if Bobby Witt Jr. was still on base, that would have been trouble. But Maley throwing him out really helped Cody Morris. Only one walk that walked to Bobby Witt Jr., and he really settles down once they make start making those outs. Once he gets out of that first inning, two strikeouts on the day, including the last batter he would face, Cody Morris would strike him out. He's hard hit five times on 61 pitches. Now, it's not exactly glowing CSW numbers from Cody Morris. It wasn't that good of a start, but... You know, it was better. Uh, he had a 26% whiff rate. Uh, on 31 swings, they whiffed eight times. Uh, he peppered in a few called strikes with the four-seam fastball. Couldn't really get the cut the uh, cutter for a called strike. Uh, the changeup, you know, decent whiff rate on the changeup. Uh, I mean, they swung three times at the changeup in 10 pitches, and they whiffed twice. So it's a 67% whiff rate. 
So it's a 21% total CSW on the day. 11 foul balls helped, you know, helped them out. That really kept them in some counts. Uh, and then they just had a weaker contact off him. I mean, a total of 88.2 average exit velocity off Cody Morris. I do want to talk about that final strikeout because I did think it was a nice strikeout to end his day uh, for Cody Morris because he was in a little bit of trouble in that uh, fourth inning. You know, they, they had something going against him there, and he's able to shut things down. Uh, Nick Massey, or Michael Massey, sorry, uh, doubled off of him with two outs. So they did have a runner in scoring position, and he faces Nate Eaton. Uh, it'd be his final batter of the day, and he's able to strike him out to kind of end his day on a really high note. And so how that at-bat go? Well, he misses high with a cutter. Man, a cutter was not working for him, so he throws another one in the dirt way away. So now he's in the hole. So he just gave up the double. He's in the hole 2-0. and oh. Francona's probably thinking, ah, should I have left him in? Comes back with a four-seam fastball on the plate that he blows by him for a swinging strike. Throws another one at the top of the zone that he blows by him for a swinging strike. Tries to throw the the, the fifth pitch of the at-bat. They have it listed as the cutter based on the speed. I don't know what this thing was supposed to be. It looked like it slipped out of his hand. It's actually interesting because he, he asked for a new bat, baseball. He blows the four-seam fastball by him, but he asked to switch baseballs. And they're joking like, oh, that's the fastball. Uh, but it doesn't have a good feel for, for a curveball. And then he kind of sails one. It was middle of the play, but it was like up at his head. And he, I don't know if it was a curveball that he just didn't get the grip on or if it actually was a cutter. Uh, it just looks like it kind of slips out of his hand. But then he's able to come back with another high fastball and blow it by him again at 93.7 miles per hour. All three of the four-seam fastballs blown past Nate Eden at 93 miles per hour. So... Uh, yeah, wow, he just kind of manned up and blew some fastballs by him. Uh, that's interesting. That's not going to work a lot against Major League hitting. I mean, not like it did probably in AAA. Uh, I'm actually kind of surprised that there's nothing here to really throw him off that fastball. No changeups or anything mixed in here. That he's able to just blow three fastballs by him. But that's how Cody Morris ends his day. So, uh, yeah, it was a much more encouraging start from Cody Morris. I'm still not seeing... That thing in the minors that they were so excited about with this guy. I personally, I'm not quite seeing what the pitch mix is that's going to make this guy dominant. Uh, I know the cutter doesn't really seem to be working for him at the major league level, even though he threw it the most of any pitch on the day. Uh, and he only used the curveball twice. Uh, the changeup is supposed to be his second best pitch off the fastball. Uh, and he used it very sparingly in this one. So... Uh, yeah, I, I mean, you definitely saw improvement here from Cody Morris. I don't, I just don't know if I'm seeing it yet. You know, like we've even seen from Eli Morgan at times this season. Remember, earlier in the season, we were very high in Eli Morgan. And we saw it. We saw how effective that changeup can be. How nasty it can be. I don't know if we've quite seen it yet from Cody Morris. But he's definitely going to get more opportunities. He's, he seems like he's here for the rest of September. And he's going to keep getting these spot starts as long as Plesak and Savali stay out injured. So, yeah, he'll definitely have some opportunity to grow over this month and show us what he's got and why they were so excited about him. So, all right, that's what was going on on the pitching side with Cody Morris. Uh, I mean, if we want to talk about the rest of the pitching, Henches comes in and gives you a nice clean inning on nine pitches. 
Um, De Los Santos gets two outs, but gives up a hit, so they go to Karinczak. Karinczak gets out of the sixth inning, but then really struggles in the seventh. Three walks. Stefan has got to come in to get him out of the seventh. But then he can't make it all the way through the eighth. Brian Shaw has to come in in the eighth inning and get Stefan out of it. Look, I don't think Francona wanted to put Brian Shaw in, but Stefan was up against it and needed help getting out of the inning. And Shaw does the job on six pitches, on six cutters. He's able to get out of it, including a strikeout. So give the old man credit. He's, he kind of blew him away in that eighth inning. And then Kose in the ninth, obviously the disaster we already talked about. Now, as far as the Guardians' offense is concerned, my other storyline, my last storyline in this game, is uh, Oscar Gonzalez. Oscar Gonzalez had some really, really good at-bats in this game. There were some things that I didn't love from him, but there were some really, really good at-bats in this game, and it led to the only run scored by the Guardians. So let's get into it. In the uh, first inning, he actually loads the bases up by drawing a walk. And I thought it was a really good job by Oscar Gonzalez laying off the junk from Zach Greinke. He knows they're going to pitch him down and away. He understands that's what they're trying to do with him. First pitch, he lays off a changeup down below the knees. Second pitch, he chases a curveball down. He should not have <laughs> He should not have done that. Uh, Gonzalez does chase there. But then he is able to get the at-bat under control. He lays off a cutter down and away, lays off another curveball down and away, has worked it to a 3-1 count now. He gets a cutter up, middle of the plate, that he fouls off. All right, you would have liked to see him drive that one uh, with runner in scoring position. But then another cutter down at the knees and a full count, and he, he lays off another pitch down and away, a pitch he definitely would have chased earlier in the season. He shows a lot of patience in this at-bat and draws that bases loaded walk. So I thought that was good stuff from uh, from Oscar Gonzalez. In his next at bat against Granky, Frank, he just gets a fastball that's up in the zone uh, on the inside part of the plate, and he just drives this thing 110.6 miles per hour. So he was not waiting for Granky to necessarily throw him stuff low and away. He was still locked into the strike zone. Right, He wasn't just going to sit up there and wait for Granky to throw strike one. He gets a fastball up in the zone, and he hammers this. I guarantee this is not what Granky wanted to do against Oscar Gonzalez. Uh, so 110.6 mile per hour exit velocity. It's a double that kicks things off. It kicks off a little rally. Andres Jimenez puts in the work on a eight-pitch at bat. He finally gets one, and he's able to hook it uh, you know, to the right side of the infield. He grounds out. But it's a good job of grounding out to first base and moving that runner over to third. It's the little things. It's the little things that this offense needs to do right. And hitting a ground ball to the right side so that your leadoff double can get to third is definitely one of those little things. And then Owen Miller on the second pitch gets a cutter down at the knees, bloops it into center field. And, you know, Underwood was completely right on this one. He called it. Drew Waters took his first two steps back. It is tough as a center fielder, you know, on the crack of the bat, you feel like that ball jumps off the bat. You feel like, they always say first step back, right? That's what you're taught. But in this situation, it costs him. He does not read the ball well off the bat. It's a 45-degree launch angle. It's got an expected batting average of 230, but it's in no man's land in center field. It drops in front of Drew Waters who I feel like hasn't had the best series. He's he, he's kind of seems like he's been struggling defensively 
whether he's in right or center. It bloops in there, and Owen Miller has got himself the only RBI for the Guardians on the day. He brings in Gonzalez to score. So, uh, yeah, Owen Miller, let's face it, gets lucky on this one and drives in uh, Gonzalez. Gonzalez's next at-bat, he was chasing things down again. Uh, He follows off a curveball down below the strike zone, uh, takes a four-seam fastball for a call strike, so now he's got to protect he does lay off a curveball in the dirt, but then an outside down and away cutter he grounds out to third base on. So a pitch, pay, pay attention to this, down and away, you know, off the plate away, and he pulls it down the third base and grounds out the third base. It's probably not what you're going to want to do with those pitches. However, it does work in his next at bat against, against Dylan Coleman. Gonzalez gets another pitch away, and he pulls it again. So he lays off a sinker way outside for ball one. Uh, takes a slider down at the knees for a called strike, then gets another slider up uh, at the belt, up and away, and he pulls it in the left field. So twice he takes pitches on the outside edge of the plate and pulls them. That's just, I mean, he's got to take a page from Salvador Perez and what he's done in this series. You got to start shooting some of these things in the opposite field. I mean, somehow he gets this double. I guess this pitch is high enough, and he's strong enough to get the bat head out there and pull the ball into left field for a double. But he's going to have a lot easier time with these pitches up and away, going to right field, going to the opposite field. Now, easier said than done. I understand. But I just I think that's something that he could definitely work on this offseason. It would make him such a more dangerous hitter. And we've seen it from Salvador Perez in this series. They've been pitching him away, the big right-handed power hitter. They've been pitching him away, and he's made him pay a few times by hitting to the opposite field. I think Oscar Gonzalez can do that if he works on it in the offseason, right? I, I think it would help him out a lot if he was able to do that a little bit. So, uh, yeah, Gonzalez has himself a good day with two doubles. Definitely the best offensive day from anyone on the Guardians. And... Uh, yeah, he had a multi-hit game. Andres Jimenez had a multi-hit game, but no runs to show for it. Owen Miller has the only RBI with that bloop single. Uh, another hit from Miles Straw in the ninth spot, so at least he's still finding ways to contribute offensively. Uh, they have another chance to score in that eighth inning. Uh, they have a chance with another Oscar Gonzalez double. Andres Jimenez would have an infield single. He would chop one for an infield single and beat it out. Owen Miller would come up with runners on the corner and a chance to extend the lead, and instead he would pop out to end the threat in the eighth inning. So, yeah, it's a struggle offensively for the Guardians. Honest to God, that was their only real other opportunity. I mean, they had base runners on in some innings, but that was their only real opportunity to add on after the fourth inning run. Uh, That was their only chance in the eighth inning. They go quietly one, two, three in the ninth with three flyouts. So, Yeah, I mean, it's a quiet, quiet offensive day for the Guardians. Looking at Oscar Gonzalez's spray chart here, he does have some doubles in the right field. So he has done it a couple times this season. I guess he just wasn't doing it in this game. Like, he's definitely definitely a pull hitter. Most of his power is coming to the pull side of the plate. All his home runs have been to the pull side. Uh, A lot of his singles are to the pull side. He has gone to the backside for a bunch of doubles. There are a lot of doubles here, a lot of purple uh, on the opposite field for him, in the right field for him on the season. So he has done it. He just didn't do it in this game. But definitely something 
he can improve this spray chart and start using both fields a little bit more. Uh, so yeah, that's all my thoughts on this one. Uh, MVP on the day, I'm actually going to give it to Oscar Gonzalez. I, I thought that there were some really good at-bats from him. I like that he was laying off that low stuff better. Not great, not perfect, but better. And uh, so MVP on the day, the only run scored on the day, I'm giving it to Oscar Gonzalez. The Guardians waste an opportunity here because the Twins get swept in a doubleheader by the New York Yankees. So winning this game really would have put some separation there. Instead, they're now two games up on both the Twins and the White Sox going into a big weekend series in Minnesota. Uh, This is going to be... Is this their last trip to Minnesota? Yes. So this will be their final time in Target Field. And uh, it is a big one. It is a really big one. They get an off day. They get a travel day. So the full pension, everyone should be rested. They should be ready to go. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this is where it starts. This is, you know, the series against the Minnesota Twins. They're going to come face us next weekend for five games in four days. Uh, Weather permitting, of course, in Cleveland. So this is really it. This is the se- you know the season right here. We have to be able to handle the Minnesota Twins. We do get the White Sox one more time on uh, well, we get a makeup day at home on what should have been an off day on a Thursday next week. But then we go to Chicago for one more series. So we're not out of the weeds with the White Sox yet, but we control our destiny here. We are leading the division and we face these teams in September. So we control our destiny here going into Minnesota. Do I wish the offense was clicking a little bit more going into the series? Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely do. But, you know, with an off day, with a new series, it's baseball. You never know what's going to happen. And, uh, finger, you know, fingers crossed, high hopes. I'm still behind this team. I still think this team can make the playoffs. But they really, really have to get back to doing what they do offensively, uh, which is putting up rallies that really demoralize the other team. They weren't able to do it in this one, and they let the Royals back into the game. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Again, the final from Kansas City. It's the Royals 2, the Guardians 1. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts going into this Minnesota Twins series, and we'll discuss it on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air and respond to your thoughts. Have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.